Praise the Lord. Good morning, church. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Praise God for another day. Amen. Amen. It's so good to see everyone here this morning. Welcome to our, our first service. And uh, wow, so good to see everyone here. Welcome to Pleasant Grove Assembly of God. It is good to be here. We're excited about what God is doing in our midst. Amen. Wow, we've had some powerful services, and we're believing God to meet us here again today. We're going to pray and open in prayer. Uh, we're going to worship the Lord this morning before Pastor comes and preaches the Word. Are you excited to be here today? Amen. Are you ready to worship the Lord? Amen. God has been blessing us. Amen. How many of you know that oftentimes, though, when God starts blessing, the devil starts messing, doesn't he? You know, I was reminded just this week that the thief comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Oh, but praise God that Jesus Hallelujah. came that we might have life and have it Amen. more abundantly. You know, my son's truck was broken into at college Thursday night, broke the window out, stole his wallet, you know, just... Uh, just a terrible reminder of the enemy. But you know, God will turn that thing around. Amen. He'll use it for good. And there's nothing today. I'm thankful today that there's nothing that can separate me from His love. The enemy can come in and he can take and he can steal and he can... But I want to tell you today that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and there's nothing that can separate me from His love. Amen? Amen. Is your name written down in glory this morning? Are you standing on the promises of God today? Will you stand with us? Let's pray. Let's worship the Lord and rejoice in this new life that we live, this life of abundance. Hallelujah. And give Jesus praise and glory. Father, we love you today. Lord, we thank you, Lord God. Oh, Father, for who you are, Lord. We come to worship you, Lord. We come to honor you today, Lord God. And we thank you today for Jesus, for our Lord and our Savior, Lord, that Jesus came and he overcome, Lord, that we might have life and have it more abundantly, Lord. We rejoice in it today. Father, we give you glory today. 
have your way in this place in Jesus' name. I was once a sinner.
Lord God, that our sins are forgiven and heaven is our home. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that your blood made it possible. Hallelujah. Thank you for your blood, Jesus, that washed us Thank you, Jesus, for your blood that saved us, changed us, brought us victory through every one of my situations. Hallelujah. Shameful sin. 
Let's give him a clap. Let's give him a praise. He's worthy. We love you, Lord. We bless you. We honor you. Hallelujah. 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 Glory to God. You may be seated. Praise the Lord. Isn't the Lord good to us? The goodness of God. Can't sing about anything else. Step back and just sing about the goodness of God. If it hadn't been for God's goodness, we wouldn't have breath right now. Amen? Wasn't for God's goodness. Many of us being being the funny farm somewhere. I know we wouldn't. This would not be the place we were at where life would have taken us down path. But God has been so good. Amen. Oh, what a God we serve! So good to see everybody out. I want to thank everyone that came out on Wednesday. What a wonderful time we had in the presence of the Lord. Prayer meeting. God just blessed us and touched us. If you have your Bibles, if you would turn to Psalm number two. Psalm number two. You heard me right. We're not in Philippians. We did about 20 messages from Philippians, but we're going to spend just a few from the Psalms the next few weeks. We're going to start with Psalm 2, and we're going to let God speak to us through His Word. Aren't you glad God gave us His book? Amen. Amen. Psalm number 2, beginning with verse 1. Why do the nations conspire or rage, and the peoples they plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand, and the rulers gather together against the Lord and against His anointed one. Let us break their chains, they say, and throw off their fetters. The one enthroned in heaven, he laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy hill. Verse 7, I will declare or proclaim the decree of the Lord. He has said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession. You will rule them with an iron scepter. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Verse 10, Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned. You rulers of the earth, serve the Lord with fear. 
Rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you be destroyed in your way, for His wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all those who take refuge in Him. We'll use as a title this morning the four voices in Psalm 2. You're going to see four voices in the Psalm. Some Psalms are very imagery. You could see it. You could see the nation shaking. You could see the mountains quaking. And some very emotional. My God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? You can feel the emotion, the pathos in it. Well, this is a Psalm that we hear. Because as we walk through it, we're going to hear four different voices speaking to us and hopefully saying something special to us. Now, Psalm 2 is both a messianic and a royal psalm. It's a messianic psalm because it's prophetically talking about Jesus. And it is often quoted in the New Testament concerning him. It's a royal psalm because originally it was composed for a coronation of one of the Davidic kings, one of the kings that came from David's line. It begins with the turmoil in the nations. It ends with the blessing of those that trust in the Lord. Now, this psalm should move us to trust in God and to look forward to that glorious day when we will see the removal of all of His enemies and the enthronement of Jesus Christ, the anointed King of kings and the Lord of lords. We can praise God this morning and every morning because we're on the winning side. And regardless of how things look in the natural, regardless of who's sitting in the Oval Office, we can rejoice because we know our God reigns. Can you say amen? Now, this psalm should accomplish a couple things in us, hopefully, this morning. Number one, it should increase our awe, our reverence, our um, overwhelming respect for the Almighty. Listen, beloved, the fear of the Lord is a good thing for all of us. It's a healthy thing. It's a helpful thing. It's a biblical thing. So this should increase our awe of God, but also this should encourage our faith in God. Because we're citizens of this kingdom. And we belong to this great king. Our outline is very simple. Four voices. We're going to hear the voice of defiance. That's the nations in rebelling against God saying, we don't want you to rule over us. Then there's the voice of derision. Now that's the father. The father is laughing. He's in heaven and God Almighty is not intimidated by Putin or anyone else. He's not moved by men. He's the Almighty, always has, always will be. Then there's the voice of declaration. And that's the voice of the Son, the Lord Jesus, declaring the honor and the victory the Father has given unto Him. And then finally, the voice of decision. The voice of invitation. That's the voice of the Holy Spirit calling men make peace. Kiss the Son. While today is the day of grace, come and get things right with God and receive the salvation of the Lord. You know, man is made in God's image, the Bible says. Man has been died for by God's Son. Yet so many fight and run and resist God instead of embracing God and receiving God and just submitting to God, not realizing, not realizing that when we fight God, we're just fighting ourselves. Number one, the voice of defiance. Look at verses one through three. Why do the nations rage or conspire and the people plot in vain? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers gather. There's a conspiracy against the Lord and His Anointed One. And they're saying, let's break His chains and throw off His fetters and not be ruled by Him. To defy is to openly resist. The nations are in conspiracy. They're raging against God. This is the voice of the nations resisting and rejecting the rule of God. 
And David, as he writes this, his expression is one of astonishment. He's saying, when you consider all that God has done, why would men rebel against Him? You know, Romans 2 and 4 speaks about the, the riches of the kindness and the patience of God that should lead men to repentance. When we think about the goodness of God, we shouldn't run from Him. We should draw near to Him and receive the wonderful salvation that He offers to all. God has provided for men. God has cared for nations. God has sent His Savior to bring forgiveness and reconciliation. Yet from the Tower of Babel to the crucifixion of Christ, all the way to the Battle of Armageddon, the Bible records humanity's foolish and futile rebellions against the will and rule of their Creator. And besides the goodness of God, what about the mightiness of God? I mean, it's, it's vain. There's an astonishment of the author. It's vain. It's useless. It's a futile thing to challenge the Almighty and His anointed. You can't win. As it's said in times past, men's arms are too short to box with God. Don't, don't, don't fight Him. Throw in the towel. Throw in the towel and accept the terms of God's surrender that you can receive His provision of grace and mercy and salvation and forgiveness. But this, number one, is a voice of rebellious mankind who challenges God's right to rule and defies the sovereign authority of His Lordship. And we'll hear it throughout our lives. We hear it today on a universal level. We hear it on a national level. We hear it on a personal level. So many examples in the Bible. We could start with Genesis. Walk our way out the end of the book and we'll hear this voice. For example, it's like the voice of Pharaoh. In Exodus 5, when Moses comes with the Word of God, when Moses comes from that encounter at the burning bush with God's message, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, who is the Lord that I should obey Him? I don't know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. See, this is the same spirit behind the present rebellion of the nations towards the living God. This is the enemy that battles for the soul of our nation, the soul of our society. With a haughty tone, they say, who is the Lord? What is the Bible that we should obey it? It's the voice of defiance. Nations resisting and rejecting the rule of God. In some nations, you know, friend, it's illegal to become a Christian. In others, it's a crime to share the faith we hold so dear. Still other places belittle the moral teachings and standards of Scripture. In some places, the religious scholars and leaders make light of the salvation that God offers through His only begotten Son. In other places, courts and judges and governors, they scoff at the thought of Jesus Christ being anything more than just a good teacher, and they look down upon us that do. So we say when the ungodly agendas are propagated, when unholy alliances and lifestyles are exalted and applauded, when unbiblical laws are legislated, that's the voice of the defiance of men and nations against the living God. Men challenging His authority, rejecting His rule, and rejecting His call to receive the mercy and the grace of God. We hear it on a universal level. The nations openly defy God. Many nations persecute the people of God as we speak this morning. They outlaw His Word. They worship false idols and false gods. On the national level, America, in so many ways, 
stands and rejects and defies God. America so greatly needs a move of the Spirit of God. Something that will turn the hearts of the wayward back to their fathers. Something that will bring back the the reality of righteousness and, and proper biblical living back to a nation that has left its mooring. America, when we look with um, tears in our eyes, we see how America rejects God's Word. And again, America promotes that which God, which God condemns completely. America has exchanged the truth of God for a lie in so many ways as it defies the rule of its Creator. We look at it on a personal level where so many prodigals and so many unbelievers live lives that say, who is the Lord that we should obey Him? And they tempt the patience and the mercy of the Lord each and every day. Friend, this is the voice of defiance. This is the voice of men that are defying God saying, we won't have you rule over us. We will reject your word to govern us. We will reject your sovereignty to rule over us. And we see it all over. There's a story, a true story, Muhammad Ali, the, the, the ex-great fighter that got on a plane one day and he was sitting in his first class seat and the lady came by, the stewardess, and said, Mr. Ali, you've got to, we're going to take off. You've got to buckle your belt and... She went off to pour some more drinks and do what they do. She came back two minutes later and still he hadn't buckled his seatbelt. She said, Mr. Ali, you need to buckle that. We're getting ready to take off. It happened a third time. And finally this time she said, listen, we can't move this plane. That pilot won't move until you buckle your seatbelt. And he replied, what do you mean buckle my seatbelt? I don't need to buckle my seatbelt. He goes, everyone needs to buckle it. He goes, Superman don't need to buckle his seatbelt. By this time, she was a little bit ticked. She says, yeah, well, Superman don't need an airplane either. Uh, Man has to know his limitations. As Dr. Evans said, man needs to know his limitations. Autonomous man who believes he can live without God, make it without God, do science apart from God, create apart from God, will be rudely awakened one day. Our first thought... The first thought of this psalm, we're calling it the, 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 the voice, the voice of defiance, that voice that defies God. It's the voice of the present rebellion of the world against God. But then secondly, you see there's another voice. Listen, heaven is laughing. That's interesting. Heaven is laughing. And it's the voice of derision. It's the voice of, of ridicule. And this is the voice of the Father. Look at verses 4 through 6. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. So down on the earth, all the nations think there's something. Putin thinks and China thinks and America thinks and they get proud and they get haughty. They're nations. They're mere nations for the Almighty God. And, and they think, we don't need you. We'll do what we want to do. If we want to, we'll do anything. We'll ignore you. Amen. We'll imprison your servants. We, we will laugh at your, your commandments. But the one enthroned in heaven, he laughs. The Lord, then He scoffs at them, and then He speaks to them or rebukes them in His anger and terrifies them in His wrath. And He says, I have installed my King on Zion, my holy hill. Let's look at that. The voice of derision, the voice of the Father. For He knows His kingdom is secure. The earth might be in rebellion. We might see riots here and there. But heaven is not moved, and therefore you don't have to be moved. Men can try to rewrite the rules. They can try to throw off God's government. 
They can try to silence His voice. They can try to discredit His Son. But God's Word still stands. It's unchanging. It's eternal. It is settled. God's Son is still Lord. His authority is still sovereign and final. God laughs. For His kingdom is secure and His King has been established. Jesus Christ is God's King. He shall reign forever and forever and His kingdom and His dominion, it shall never end. And we praise God this morning that we're part of that kingdom. We praise God this morning that that kingdom cannot be shaken. And we join with the saints of Revelation who as they see the conquering Christ and they see the return of Christ, they cry out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be Be glad and give the glory unto Him. Can you say amen? Even in the midst of it all, by the eye of faith, we have seen what's coming down the pike. We know what presently is. And we can rejoice in the midst of it all. There's riot here and a rebellion there. There's confusion here. There's defilement there. But they that know their Lord shall be strong and do exploits. They shall stand and not be moved. They'll sing in the midst of the storm. They'll testify when others are saying, Silence! Don't you dare exalt that name. But like Peter said in the early books of Acts, something within me that cannot be contained, I can't help but speak what I've seen and what I know. Jesus is alive. Jesus is wonderful. Jesus is ruling and reigning. And Jesus is coming again. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Oh, glory to be to God. But sometimes we see what's going on and it can frustrate us and it can anger us. Hang on. Heaven's laughing. God is not moved. You don't have to be moved. It won't always be like this. The end has not yet been written and our God reigns. God laughs. Then He scoffs. And then He speaks. Puny king. Feeble rulers, little nations, they don't intimidate the Creator of the heavens and earth. Isaiah 40 says the nations are like a drop in the bucket. Again, Isaiah says these mighty rulers are are like the grass that grows today and is mowed down tomorrow. And though today, praise God, thank God, today God speaks to the nations in His grace. Today is the day of grace. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the moment that whosoever will, regardless of what you've done, regardless of how horrible you've lived, you can come to Jesus. You can receive Jesus. He'll forgive you. He'll wash you. His precious blood will cleanse you. He'll receive you if you come to Him. He'll change you if you let Him. Today is the day of grace. And we declare that message of good news. And we reach out to men that are hurting and help and broken to lift them up that they might know the living God. Today, God speaks by His church. He speaks through His Word. He speaks by His Spirit. A message of grace. But there is coming a day. There's coming a day when God will speak to them in justice and in judgment. And as much as we don't like that, that's Bible 101. And to never mention that is to do a grave injustice to the pulpit. 
Jimmy, if you would, Acts 17, verses 30 through 31. Acts 17, verse 30 through... Now, the great apostle Paul, he's in Athens. Athens, Greece. And he's waiting. He's there actually waiting for some of his helpers to come along. And as he sees all the idols in that city, his heart just gets grieved and broken. When he sees so many affluent people, intelligent people, educated people, yet lost people, yet um, darkened in their spiritual understanding people, that his heart begins to groan as he sees all the idolatry and the false gods. And he begins to debate and he begins to share. And this is what Paul writes in the middle of one of his debates, one of his messages. He says, you know, in the past, God overlooked ignorance. They worshipped idols and they followed after what they thought was God. But now, he commands all people ever to repent or turn. Now he calls all men, come to my son, kiss the son. Receive his grace. Stop worshipping what is not a God. Stop living in a way that will not get you into heaven, but come to the one that can save you and redeem you and transform you. He commands all people to to repent. It's a message of grace that allows us to turn and allows us to come and allows us to receive forgiveness and transformation. He'll heal your broken heart. He'll set you free from the thing that weighs you down. He'll give you a hope and a future. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day in the very next verse. But there is coming a day. He writes, For He has set a day. There is a day that God Almighty has set when He will judge the world. With justice, God never makes a mistake. God, I can't judge justly. You can't judge perfectly. We don't know the hearts of men. We really don't. The best we can. But God judges perfectly. So when God judges, it is a perfect judgment. He has set a day. There is coming a day when instead of that message of grace and mercy, that invitation to come and kiss the Son and receive His salvation, He has set a day when He will judge the world with justice but He will do it by the man He has appointed. Remember, they're, they're rebelling against the Anointed One. They're saying, we won't have Jesus rule over us. We don't want your King. We want our own King. We want one that will rule the way we want Him to rule. But the Bible says, He has set a day when He will judge the world by the man He has appointed. He's given proof of this to all men by raising Him from the dead. He has set a day where the Savior will become the judge. But in this hour, we preach good news. In this hour, we plead with men to come and believe the Gospel. In this hour, we plead, stop fighting God. Stop trying to wrestle God. Your arms are too short to box with Him. Your mind is too puny to debate with God. Just come to God and surrender to God that you might receive the mercy and the grace of God. But if one rejects that day, there's coming another day. Now back in Psalms, look at verse 6. God writes in verse 6, I have installed my king. They don't want God's king. They don't want the Lord Jesus. But God speaks. It's settled. I have installed my king. Jesus Christ is God's great king. And he's on the throne. And the nations of the world can mock and revolt and rebel. But you and I that know the Lord, you and I that love Jesus, we can smile and we can laugh with hearts full of confidence and assurance. We can um, remember the words of our Father when He said, Just be still and know that I am God. 
And I will be exalted in the earth regardless of what things look like now. I will be exalted in the nations regardless of how the nations are acting now. And for you and I that believe, this psalm actually gives us a very secure and a lasting hope. Because it speaks of a day when He returns. It speaks of an inheritance in the now, but it speaks of a day when Christ returns and the nations and the universe submit to Him once again. We look forward to the day when Jesus Christ returns and He establishes His kingdom, when He will remove and judge the evil, when He will remove that which is vile, and He will bring forth that beautiful peace and righteousness and justice and purity of the kingdom of heaven. In that day, there'll be no more abuse. There'll be no more oppression. There'll be no more poverty. There'll be no more pestilence. In that day, there'll be no more abandonment. There'll be no more abortion. There'll be no more violence. There'll be no more hatred. There'll be no more hurt. In that day, there'll be righteous. In that day, there'll be peace. In that day, man, will love one another. In that day, nothing vile and pure will be there anymore. In that day. So we pray, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly and establish Your throne. Listen, there's another voice. There's another voice. There's another voice. And this is a voice of declaration. This is a voice that Father follows the Father's voice. It's the voice of God's Son. Verses 7 and 9. Now this is Jesus he says, I will declare the decree. And you're thinking, you can underline decree. God rules by decree, not consensus. That troubles men. That troubles men especially that like democracy. But God is not a democracy. How about, how about that? Amen? Do we know that? America, do you know that? Yeah, I know. Some of us don't know that. Some act like we don't know. You know, God doesn't ask me for my opinion on many things. You know that? God, we don't get to vote on certain things, do we? That bothers us, doesn't it? Yes, it does. They say it does. I don't want to wear. I, I, oh, I don't want to go down the service. I, I got to watch my time in the early service. But I, I can see how some even in godly saints, when they're told they don't, they can't do something, it bothers them. They love God, but but we all have a fallen nature in us, don't we? And when we're told we can't do something, even if it's to save your life, put a seatbelt on. I remember the day some of those godly in the church, man, you would have thought you would have thought they're going to tell you. Um, you know, you, you couldn't go to the beach anymore on your vacation. I mean, you would have thought they were taking away your most cherished right because they told you to wear a seatbelt and they didn't like it. And, you know, some mocked, I don't want to wear a mask. I did a lot of rebellion in our hearts because we're fallen creatures. <laughs> oh, yeah. We all made of the same stuff, aren't we? You say amen. That's all right. We're all made out of that same stuff. That's all right. <laughs> I want you to rule over us. But Jesus says, I will declare, I will proclaim the decree of the Lord. The command of the Lord. Not the choice of the Lord. He said to me, the Father speaking to the Son, You are my Son. Today I have become your Father. Ask of me and I will make the nations your inheritance. The ends of the earth your possession. We're part of that inheritance. Isn't that good news? We're part of that possession. That is good. Therefore, okay, you'll rule them. You'll dash them. Okay. The voice of declaration. This is the voice of God's Son. The Lord Jesus is the enthroned King. And now He speaks and He announces 
what the Father says to him. He's informing the rebels. Decree informs us. God rules His creation by sovereign decree, not human consensus or democracy. God's decrees are just because He never makes a mistake. It's been settled. God decrees it that Jesus Christ is His Son, that Jesus is God, that He is the great King, and He is the only way to salvation. And the Father promises His Son here complete victory over the nation. They mocked Him at one time. They won't do that the second time. They reject Him and imprison His preachers and put to prison those that believe in Him. That won't happen in the coming age. The Father promises the Son complete victory over the nations. Which means that one day Jesus will reign over all the kingdoms of the earth. So it's been settled. The Almighty has declared it. There's no discussion in this matter. There's no debate. There's no higher court we can appeal to. It is settled. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which they must be saved. It is settled. There's no debate about it. But at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. It is settled. It is over. The Almighty has decreed it and it will not change it. Jesus will return to earth in great power and glory. He'll destroy the enemies of God. He'll redeem and rescue the beloved of God. He will set up His everlasting kingdom. As Brother Andre Crouch used to sing, soon and very soon we're going to see the King. Can you say amen? Oh, what a day, what a day. The Russians can't stop it. The Chinese can't stop it. The ACLU can't hinder this. All the courts of man, all the false religions of man cannot hinder the working of God's plan or the returning and ruling and reigning of God's Son. Oh, He said, Behold, I come quickly and My reward is with Me. Are you ready to meet the Lord? Are you ready for the return of Christ? Hallelujah. Jimmy, Acts 4 and 12. I know most of this crowd knows it. I do more scriptures in the second one because we've got more younger believers. And I like them to see the scriptures. But I want us to see this one. Salvation is found in underline no one else. There are not, there are not half a dozen options to get into heaven according to the Bible. We didn't make it up. We didn't debate it and vote on it, did we? The Almighty decreed it and declared it and established it. It is settled. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men. Isn't that good though? It's given to you. It's given to you. That name above every name has been given to you that you might be forgiven, that you might be restored. That you might have the chains of sin broken over your life. That you might become the one God called and created you to be. There is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Oh, the wonderful name of Jesus. The precious name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Talking about the four voices. We're talking about the voice of defiance. 
And that's the voice of the nations and men that fight and resist and reject the rule of God. Then there's the voice of derision. And that's the voice of the Father. He's in heaven and He laughs. Because men cannot fight Him and win. And He's not intimidated by the threats of the mocks of men. Then there's the voice of declaration. That's the voice of God's Son. Jesus is Lord. Jesus is Lord. It has been decreed and it will not change. And Jesus is returning. But here we find our last voice. The voice of decision. The voice of invitation. This is the voice of the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 10, 11 and 12 with me. Therefore, because Jesus Christ is coming, it's been decreed and it will not change. Because though we're in the day of grace and mercy, and you can come and God loves you and Jesus died for you. And no matter what you've done, you can be forgiven. You can be saved if you come today, if you receive Christ today. But there is coming a day. There is coming a day. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is wooing men and calling men and inviting men. Therefore, you kings, be wise and be warned. Be warned. The gospel has preached both the invitation and the judgment that comes one day. Be, be wise. Be warned that it's appointed for a man one time to die and then a judgment. Be, be warned. The day of grace doesn't last forever. So make sure you have responded to the mercy of God. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Isn't that an interesting phrase? Don't have time to go into that. Rejoice with trembling. Even when we rejoice and shout, there's always a reverence for God and a trembling before the Almighty. That's, again, no time to go deeper into that. But here it is. This the invitation of the Spirit to everyone. Everyone, kiss the Son. Don't run from the Son. Don't ignore the Son. Kiss the Son. Come to Jesus. Stop fighting Jesus. Stop running from Jesus. And give Christ your all. And let Him save you. Let Him transform you. Let Him make you into the one you were created to be. Kiss the Son lest He be angry and you be destroyed in your way for His wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in Him. You can't run from Him, but you can find refuge in Him. Amen? You can't run from Him, but oh, you can find refuge in Him. The voice, the voice, the voice. Let's a few thoughts here. The voice of the Holy Spirit calling men, calling you, calling me, come. Receive God's Savior. Stop fighting God and His plan for your life. In view of the Father's decree and the fact that all will die and stand before Him one day, be wise and be warned. Come to Jesus. Think about it. Can a man outrun God? Can a man fight God and win? Think about His love. Think about His mercy. Think about all He's done for you. This is man's opportunity. And it won't last forever. But today, right now, respond to the call as God's Spirit speaks to your heart. As God's Spirit draws you and says, it's time to surrender. It's time to make things right. It's time to set apart excuses and come once and for all and make that sincere commitment to serve the Lord, kiss the Son, and enjoy the life He desires for you to have and walk in the ways He's chosen for you to walk. Accept Him as your Savior and King. 
Receive Him. Do it now as He speaks to your heart and as the Spirit is tugging you to do so. Do it now. Do it now. The four voices of Psalm 2. As we pray our final prayer, make sure your heart's right with God. Make sure you've received Him. And make sure you're really living for Him. We live in a culture where many make a sinner's prayer, but they don't really live for God. He's just part of their makeup. But they put Him somewhere that's certainly not even in the top ten in a lot of their priorities. It's time to put Jesus where He belongs. Seek ye first the kingdom. Amen? Put Him first. But if you're here today and you're walking with God, then I rejoice in the fact that our God reigns. Soon and very soon, Jesus will return. And if you're going through hardships and you're going through sorrows, it won't always be like this. There is another age coming. There is another world to come. Righteous will flood us like water over the sea. Let us bow our hearts and pray. And if you aren't right with God, right where you're at, make an altar. Right where you're at, stop and pray. And get things right. And let the blood of Jesus wash you. And let a new beginning start today. Father, in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to thank You for the salvation that You offer each one of us. We thank You for Your blood. We thank You that today is the day of grace. Today's the day where we can come and say yes. Today's the day where we can have a fresh start. We can have a new beginning. We can make a fresh surrender. And Lord, You won't reject us. You won't push us away. You'll receive us. You'll accept our confession. You'll wash us in that precious blood. We make that fresh altar. Oh God, draw men unto Yourself. Give people the grace they need today to kiss the Son and make things right. And Father, we that are walking right, we want to thank You that You rule and You reign and You are coming back. We thank You, Lord, that we can live in this world, a fallen world, an inconsistent world. Sometimes it seems like a confused, chaotic world. But we can walk in it with a confidence because we know we belong to You. We know You hold us in the palm of Your hand. You're our foundation. You're our refuge. You're our strength. We can face whatever we need to face because we know we never face it alone. We are sons and daughters of the great King. We can walk with confidence, joy, and victory even now as we wait for Your glorious return. And Father, I want to pray for those that have needs this morning. It might be a physical need. It might be a financial need. Maybe someone has a decision to make and they just need the mind of God and clear thinking. Maybe there's strife or stress in the family and God, they just need Your peace to begin to help them work things out in the family. Lord, You know every need. Father, in the name of Jesus, touch Your people right now. Father, let Your healing virtue flow to those that are hurting and those that need a physical touch. Lord, those that might be battling with a wounded heart this morning, let that comforting presence fall on them. Let the peace of the Spirit be imparted to them. Father, encourage and comfort those that are hurting inwardly right now. Lord, give wisdom for those that are making decisions. Lord, begin to work in family situations. Let there be peace. Let there be forgiveness, Lord. Let there be forgiveness and no more strife. Let there be forgiveness and unity once again in every marriage and in every 
every home. Father, those that need a financial blessing, Lord, bless them. Help them, Lord. You see their situation. You're their provider. Provide in your special way. And Father, in this week that comes, use your dear one. As your vessels, give them divine appointments. Use them to touch lives in your name. Let this be a week of answered prayer. Let this be a week of great rejoicing in the Lord. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. 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 Lord bless you. Have a wonderful week. See you on Wednesday. Don't forget the offering plates are in the back. Please watch your social distancing as you leave. See you on Wednesday.